But this, nor this morning, I'm going to be looking at just one band, the greatest touring band of all time, arguably the greatest rock band of all time. The band has won 22 Grammy Awards, more than any other. It's had the same band members since the band was formed in Dublin in 1976, and it's still going strong. I am, of course, talking about U2. And what makes this more amazing is that three of U2's four members have been devout Christians since their teens, and they make no efforts to hide their faith. Indeed, depending on how certain lyrics are interpreted, it has been estimated that as many as half of U2's 436 songs have a spiritual component, and almost that many have a message of love, peace, and or social justice. Led by Bono, the band members have been peace and justice activists since day one, because that's what they thought it meant to follow Jesus. Now, not everybody is a U2 fan, but I've been a huge U2 fan since 1983, when a fellow seminary student introduced me to their third album, War, which features Sunday Bloody Sunday, which is a marvelous anti-war song, New Year's Day, a song about the Polish Solidarity Movement, and 40, a song based on Psalm 40. I've had the privilege of seeing three U2 concerts in person, all in the 90s, and watching the best concert film ever made on the world's largest screen, the IMAX in London, four times. More on that later. <laughs> so even though I would normally have no interest in reading a memoir written by one of the world's wealthiest men, I started listening to Bono reading Surrender on the day it was released on Audible. I cannot recommend it highly enough, especially on Audible. But if you want to read it, you can borrow this. <laughs> While Bono has many flaws, most of which he admits to having, and way too much money, I have no doubt whatsoever that Bono is a sincere Christian trying his absolute best to follow Jesus and to make the world a better place. Bono admits that when the band started out in 1976, he couldn't really play the guitar and has never learned to play it well. More astonishing is that he couldn't sing and still doesn't like the sound of his voice. But what he could do very well was write songs. Reminds me a little of Leonard Cohen, who was one of Bono's heroes. I'm going to show you the first live performance of my favorite U2 song. But first, the story behind it. The background is the Bosnian War that lasted from 1992 to 1995, during which the capital city of Sarajevo, known for its religious tolerance, was under siege. When a U2 fan from Sarajevo escaped the city and told U2 how awful things were there and how their plight was all but forgotten by the world's media, U2 decided to do something never done before offering live footage from Sarajevo as part of their Zoo TV concert tour in 1993. At London's Wembley Stadium, three girls in Sarajevo are interviewed live. And this is what they had to say. What are you people going to do about our situation here in Sarajevo? Nothing. You people are going to get back to your night out, to your nice lives, and forget about us. We're going to die. And it might be better for us and you if we died quickly. Needless to say, there wasn't much to be said after that. There was no, 
Bonner writes, there was no segue, no response. 70,000 people and four band members eviscerated by a brutally real juxtaposition. A transcendent night of rock and roll crashing back down to earth. It wrecked the concert, <laughs> which got terrible reviews. <laughs> but the concert made headlines around the world, and suddenly Sarajevo was back in everyone's thoughts. This is you too. Infuriating critics by constantly seeing their concerts as an opportunity to communicate a message of peace, justice, and religious coexistence. But back to my favorite U2 song. In 1994, Luciano Pavarotti becomes part of that story. Pavarotti was deeply troubled by the war going on across the water from his home in Italy. He wanted to use his voice and influence to help the people of Sarajevo in some way. And he wanted U2 to write a song for him which Bono didn't want to do. But after barging in unannounced on a YouTube practice session in Dublin, if you can imagine, Pavarotti got the response he wanted, a song based on a group of defiant women in Sarajevo who decided to respond to their crisis by holding a Miss Sarajevo beauty pageant in which women wore sashes that said things like, do you really want to kill us? Bono writes that opera is about passion, emotion, and empathy. And that's what Pavarotti brings to this song. First performed in Modena, Italy in 1995 at a fundraiser to build a music center in Mostar for Bosnian survivors of the war. Pavarotti sings his part in Italian, but his words refer to love coming like a river down to the sea behind the borders and the thirsty lands and about not knowing how to pray anymore or hope for love anymore. Yeah. 
Let's get back to the movies. 
<laughs> to my favorite film of 2008, and one of my favorite films of the century. A film you can't stream anywhere, you can't buy it on Blu-ray, watch it on YouTube, can't do anything. It's the first live-action 3D film, and many think it's the best concert film ever made. It's called U2 3D. Filmed in 2006 in stadiums in Mexico City, Santiago, Sao Paulo, and Buenos Aires. Each stadium packed with over 100,000 people, most of them young. In 3D, you are standing in the midst of the undulating crowd. Everyone around you in the stadium is singing along passionately to every word of every song for the whole hour and a half. Tears streaming down their faces the whole time, just as they streamed down mine in the giant IMAX theater in London. One of the great film watching experiences of my life. From beginning to end, that U2 3D concert is a passionate plea for the world's religions, the world's nations, and the world's people to work together for human rights, for peace, for social justice. The concertgoers in Latin America are literally crying for a better world, their hearts broken. I like to think that in that moment they are tapping into the light that resides in every living thing that connects all of us to God and each other. Seeing the world as a whole unit. This is what it's like to be at a U2 concert. U2 have been called hypocrites for speaking about climate change while hauling their massive stages all over the world. But I've read many articles noting that while the carbon footprints of U2 concerts might be huge, so are the payoffs of offering these incredible, incredible spiritual, inspiring, and life-affirming experiences to people all over the world. I can't show you a clip from U2 3D, but I can show you a clip of my second favorite U2 song from a, from a recent concert in Paris in 2016 that captures some of the magic of U2 3D. Bono writes that U2 wrote this song called One, because they really needed to hear it themselves. It originated from a response to a letter from the Dalai Lama inviting U2 to be part of the Festival of Oneness in 1991. Bono declined, adding a PS, one but not the same. Just read you another short excerpt here. Bono says, I was and still am suspicious of the idea of oneness. I don't buy into the hom homogeneity of the human experience. I don't think we're all one. We can be one, but I don't think we have to see things the same way for that to be so. An anarchic thought. We're one, but we're not the same. We don't have to pretend we're all the same. And we don't have to carry each other. But we get to carry each other. The song is about overhearing conversations that show how people are more the same than different, but they remain different. At a time when you two came closest to falling apart, this song saved them. Let's watch. This hmm. well, tonight, we remember the people who live with this shocking violence every single day those who are forced to flee their homes in Kobani and Damascus and Beirut. We think of them in San Bernardino. 
And, and I know this may be difficult. We should also think of the families of the terrorists who have lost their loved ones to an ideology which is a perversion of the beautiful religion of Islam. Which, as I understand it, means surrender. Surrender to God. Just
research analysis of U2 concerts shows that U2 is all about connecting to its audience and encouraging people to think and act. Not a surprise. U2 has been criticized for the vagueness of its lyrics about faith and about peace and justice. But I think that's missing the point. U2 is not trying to provide details or be clear in its words. It's trying to touch hearts and imaginations, to inspire passion, compassion, and action. It's about emotional engagement, not content. And in their concerts, they do this as well as anyone ever has. Indeed, I put it to you that you two might have spread the true message of Jesus to more people than anyone else in history. I don't have time to tell you about Bono, the peace and justice activist who has done incredible work on AIDS and who led the Jubilee campaign that resulted in the cancellation of $90 billion of debt for the world's poorest nations, but who was rightfully accused of having a white savior complex when it comes to Africa, which he admits to and has worked, has worked hard to change. But it's time to close. The question I've been asking this morning is who are the Dr. Kings of our time? People who are not just alerting us to what is happening in the world around us, but instilling a passion, especially in the younger generations, by that I mean under 40s, who, are already, who already possess Kings' inclusive compassion, a passion to participate in God's dream to expose and challenge the domination system in all its forms, whether it's fossil fuel industry, capitalism, the military and industrial complex, and so on. I believe Greta Thunberg is one of those Dr. Kings. You too is another. Filmmakers, poets, artists of every kind are others. For my part, I propose to get a IMAX screen in here and show that marvelous Paris concert in its entirety in this room one of these days. <laughs> I want to close with a quote from one of the youngest among us, isn't here today, who after a depressing conversation around the supper table this week, suddenly said, let us have hope, let us have peace. But I leave the final word to Martin Joseph, another hugely inspiring singer-songwriter though his audiences are rather more modest than those of you two. Tired of all these years, tired of blazing.